Greetings podcast world and welcome to the ICOC Weekly Podcast with your host, Rich Bartoli. ICOC Weekly does interviews from all corners of the globe, striving to build connections with the International Churches of Christ through podcasting. Get ready to laugh, learn, and maybe even shed a few tears as you hear the stories of your brothers and sisters from around the world. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Greetings all, and welcome to ICOC Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Bartoli. Thank you so much for joining us for another exciting episode. Um, man, so much great stuff going on. I want to start off uh, first by thanking everyone who has generously donated to our cause of funding the podcast on our GoFundMe account. Thank you so much to all of you who have contributed. And just to encourage everybody else, please kick in a little bit of money, and uh, that will go a long way towards supporting the podcast. And, and just a little good news, the, we're all set for another year. We've collected enough money to where we will be able to host the podcast for another year. Any additional funds will go towards things like this coming uh, next weekend, we're going to be in Virginia Beach for the American Commonwealth Region Conference. So we're going to be able to set up a booth there and get the word out, let people know about it, as well as we will be um, doing interviews, that kind of stuff. And so uh, please go ahead and kick in a little bit of money, help us out, and we'll keep the podcast family growing. So thanks so much to all you have contributed, though. Uh, also, another thing to be praying about, we have the International Leadership Conference going on in Panama right now, and this is where the delegates are meeting to discuss um, just the leadership structure and plan for the future of our churches, and so I want to encourage you to be praying about that and, and uh, uh, that God will lead us into what we need to do for the next generation to get the gospel out as quickly as possible, and so exciting times, and we want to be praying for that. Um, all right, on to today's episode. I'm really excited about today's episode. I had always wanted to interview this guy, and we just had trouble connecting. And so at the ICMC, I look over and guess who else has a booth there? None other than Dave Widener of Pure and Simple Ministries. And so, hey, it worked out for us to do an interview. So what's really cool is Dave shares from his own life, uh, his journey um, with sexual purity and then the resources through that and through uh, his research and experiences that he's been able to develop. And, you know, I said this when we did the uh, interview with Guy Hammond referencing the book of Esther where it talks about such a time as this and very much felt that with the with the Hammonds um, that they were, they really met a need in our church at a, a very special time that was, uh, you know, just obvious. Well, I feel the same way about the Wideners. Uh, this thing of sexual purity is such a big deal in our churches uh, and, and in the world. It's to the point where even, you know, secular people are recognizing the uh, reality of the damage that's done through uh, pornography and, and uh, you know, an ongoing habit of that. And so it's, it's a big deal. And they are at the forefront. They are at the tip of the spear waging war on this in our churches and helping people. And 
Um, and so really, really thankful for time to talk to him, both to learn about his story and, and uh, the things they have available and to make the resources available. So we'll show note all of that. I'll put all of that in the, uh, in the show notes so you can reach out and access those resources. But really grateful. Great discussion. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without any further ado, I give you Dave Widener. Away we go. All right. Well, welcome to ICOC Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Bartoli, uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dave Widener. And uh, thanks so much for joining the podcast, ma'am. I enjoyed the opportunity. I'm so glad to be here, and uh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dave is known. Dave and, your, and his wife Robin are known most, I'm sure, and you know, with your family, you're known for being a great dad and mom. But uh, more widely known for your work with purity and uh, helping people to experience that and overcome in that area. And so I'm super excited to talk to you today. And, you know, when I when I interviewed Guy Hammond, we talked about the, the passage in Esther for such a time as this. Mm. Super famous. And mm. everybody can say that about whatever. But this area, it really is an area where in our culture, in our this point in time, it is such a huge need. So I go into this interview with a ton of gratitude and really respect the work that you've done and, and uh, the need that it does meet. So uh, thanks for doing it, and thanks for joining us. My honor. And uh, seriously, Rich, our, our, I describe our ministry pretty much as saying we've taken our mess and turn it into our message, uh-huh. and that's, oh, a, a, that's lot of, a lot about um, what hey, we do. Did you, get, did you steal that, or did <laughs> you make sure that I'm sure I up? stole it from somebody, <laughs> but uh, it, it fits. It it's fits. preachy. It fits, and our ministry is, is much about that, taking, uh, we consider ourselves wounded healers, yeah. people that uh, have been wounded, have suffered, but now we're using our wounds, hopefully to help others to recover faster and and. and Keep their faith. Amen. I, I love that. Well, let's, uh, you know, the goal of the podcast is build connections and, and to inform people, but I'd love to hear your story. Tell us a little bit about how you became a Christian and your currently your current life work. And Sure. Sure. I grew up in a very small town. Where are you from? Uh, Cooksville, Illinois. Okay. Population of 300 people uh, in central Illinois. And um, it was amazing. I lived in the country and I, uh, back in the 60s, uh, there wasn't much on TV, uh-huh. and so um, going to the stars at night, you can no light pollution out there. You could see yeah, all the stars, yeah. and watching the corn stalks grow. I mean, faith came very easy for me mm-hmm. uh, because I saw uh, God's wonder all around me. And I grew up in a family that was very faithful, yeah. very devoted to the scriptures. Mom and reading his Bible stories every night, and so uh, faith came easy to me. Uh-huh. And even um, at a young age, uh, we had a church with no preacher. We had ten people every Sunday. And so at one point, some young men started coming and preaching for us when I was around 12 or so. And uh, I got this vision. Uh, they asked me to, to speak one time when I was 14. Uh-huh. And uh, some ministers kind of wrapped their arms around me. And uh, by age 16, I had decided to go into the ministry. Oh, that's And cool. I was preaching all over the state of Illinois. I'd, I'd fill in for ministers when they were traveling, uh-huh. doing youth rallies. And so uh, I really became you know, fired up for God as a teenager mm-hmm. and uh, went to these events called Soul Winning Workshops were yeah, yeah. popular in the Churches of Christ. And so I uh, was around some very enthusiastic people about evangelism. And so I started sharing my faith very actively as a, as a teenager preaching. And so uh, coming to faith my early walk with God was um, was really natural in That's a lot cool. of ways. Unfortunately, though, 
there is a, a lot of them. Um, uh, as, as as pornography became exposed to pornography at a young age, uh, all the time I was active and zealous, I had kind of a secret life behind. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But ultimately went to a Christian college mm-hmm. and studied Bible, got a degree in biblical languages, mm-hmm. and went into working with teenagers in youth ministry right out of college. Uh-huh. And so, uh, but eventually then I uh, realized there was some things I was missing. Right. And we moved to a, a church in Chicago uh-huh. where we got to learn a lot more about discipleship and, and, and take our walk deeper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And so now you are, I think you said you're in Idaho now? All right. We moved to Idaho in 2010 to lead the church in Boise. Okay. Did that for six years. At the same time, for the last um, 10 to 12 years, we've also been doing seminars on sexual purity uh-huh. uh, as we had time when I was working in a secular job. My vacation time was often spent doing seminars. Oh, wow. And cool. so even while leading the church in Boise... We had a certain amount of time allotted to us where we could travel and continue uh, the purity ministry. Right. We felt like, though, it was just too much to do both. We really? couldn't really balance leading a church, and the needs of the purity ministry had, uh-huh. had grown so large that in January of 2017, we stepped out of church leadership and went full-time with the Purity Restored Ministry and have been um, really traveling the world since then, doing our best to help churches begin to minister and, and help those in need. Yeah, yeah. This is a well. This is a huge need. Oh, say, so you were exposed to pornography young. I was exposed to pornography young. Have you seen what the average age of exposure is nowadays? It's debated, but uh, it's largely considered that ten years old is, is yeah. pretty average U.S. We have people, families coming to us, parents of seven-year-olds who are getting exposed to hardcore yeah, yeah. pornography and and dealing with the consequences uh-huh. and the trauma that yeah. brings in a family. Yeah. So uh, with the average being 10, that means some are getting exposed, you know, and, and yeah. older. So yeah. uh, it's very young, and it, it's very, with the, the advent of the smartphones, it's just pretty much opened up where Absolutely. you really cannot protect your child from yeah. pornography unless they're living in, in, in an, an untechnological, however you say that, and, yeah. you know, away from all devices. Yeah. Because if there's a device connected to the Internet, there's pornography very close by. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, the, that's the reality. Well, tell us a little bit about how the ministry came about. Like, what was the genesis of it? And, and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the beginnings. Um, really, in 2001, um, there were several breaking points. Um, in 2001 is when I realized and heard the word sexual addiction for the very first time. Right. I mean, I'd I'd realized there had problems. I'd even been confronted. I had numerous discussions with evangelists. At one point, even had a group of brothers come to me and and confront me, even with the thought that if things did not change, I would be brought before the church. Right. And so, uh, obviously, I knew this had been an issue. I'd been fighting it from a teenager. I I longed to be free as a teen. I went to ministers and my parents. I was reaching out for help all the way through. But at that point, um, it seemed like things had gotten to an area where uh, in the marriage, something had to change. And started reading and found out about sexual addictions, got some counseling from an elder in the church, and ultimately found a group, uh, a group, a recovery group. And that really was a turning point for me to find a group of men that weren't just talking about that actually had lived it, had actually right. had long-term success. I had yeah, not yeah. met anyone that struggled the way I struggled that ever had freedom over a period of years. Right. And I was so encouraged. And that was in 2004. Okay. And so 
from that point on, um, I started experiencing some success, and some of the people that I knew had had issues in the past, yeah. approached them and said, hey, I think I found some things that are really working for me. Right. Would you like to be part of this? Yeah. We were asked to go out and uh, work in a town outside Chicago where there was a campus ministry, and they asked me to lead a group out there. So really it was uh, soon after um, I really got uh, started seeing some success in recovery uh -huh. that I was leading a group and asked to speak a couple times, uh -huh. and it seemed like from there, uh, mainly because of Robin's, Robin had been, uh, had written Secure at Heart, and right. so she was getting a lot of exposure around the world during Women's Days, yeah, yeah. and in her story, she talked about our recovery and, uh -huh. and the devastation of my sin, uh -huh. and um, that led to a church in New Jersey, central New Jersey, oh, yeah. said, hey, it's great hearing from you, but could you bring Dave out? We'd like to hear from him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that kind of opened the door. Uh -huh. uh, that was like in 2005, I think, kind of opened the door of saying, hey, this this is a bigger need. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2008, in 2007, Tom Newley and I um, started a, a conference called Pure and Simple. And 2007? 2007, okay. we had like a pre-conference. It was the, the, the prequel. We had uh, 30 guys come into my home and just hang out for a weekend. Uh -huh. And um, and just really go deep. Yeah. And from that point, we realized, hey, this needs to go bigger. Help me, like what? That's. I guess my question is, so you started to do this almost like you kind of stumbled into the, the your personal recovery, right? And then these opportunities. And as you did, how much of a need did you see in our churches? Uh, guys were popping up. You know, we, we hadn't done any surveys at that point, but it just seemed like as I shared my story, yeah. uh, wherever it was shared, I, I, at first I feared like people would reject me and like, oh my right, gosh, sure. this guy is messed up. This yeah, guy yeah. is like yeah. off the hook. <laughs> I don't know. If, yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. my, grab my kids and, you know, hide them or whatever, you know, even <laughs> right. though, uh, but, um, but the line, instead of people rejecting, the line oh, for people to talk to me, yeah. it, it was long. Yeah. And they were absolutely. they were saying, hey, you know what? You told me, you're telling my story. Yeah. Your story sounds like my story. Yes. And so I got a clue then that I wasn't alone and that it was bigger than maybe I thought it was ever going to be. Right. And so uh, we uh, had the first conference um, and people came. People came from... Uh, far first, and wide. Like not the prequel. The first, first official one. Like 2012. Uh, no, it was in um, 2009. It was in nine. Okay. Yeah, because this would be uh, where the math would be. We're kind of our tenth one this year oh, okay. in, in 2018. So, um, uh, and it, it was in Chicago, and people came. People came, and before you know it, uh, year by year. People were coming like from 20 different states and other yeah. countries, yeah. and we really started seeing. And then I did a survey of, of campus students at the ICMC in 2009. Okay. Um, 715 men, I believe it was, uh, and the numbers were off the charts. Then it was like, okay, okay, now we know that. What does that mean off the charts? Have, I'm talking about uh, over 70 percent uh, of the men had some serious struggles um, with sexual purity, and so then we had concrete. It's a very thorough study, good, probably the most intensive uh, study ever done in our fellowship anyway. Right. And so then we knew uh, from that study that other surveys were done. And really we found out that married men were struggling almost as much as the single men. 
and that wasn't a huge surprise, but uh, it, it was still a little bit shocking as well. Yeah. Uh, several congregations did studies, and so um, then we pretty much knew that um, this was a hidden in many places, yeah. but it was going on in pretty large numbers. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> caught me off guard by okay. stopping. All right. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So then you are around 2011. The conferences are beginning. Um, now, uh, you, you've written a book about it. Like, what resources have you developed through it? Well, the, the main one uh, that was developed is my it's an audio uh, series of 21 lessons, audio lessons called Pure in Heart. Um, and the biblical principles of sexual purity. And that's been um, circulated worldwide, and I hardly go anywhere when somebody doesn't come up to me and say, you know, hey, um, man, it really changed my life. Right. And it was done, uh, not in a recording studio, it was done in my basement. Uh, I had to go turn the furnace fan off to keep the noise down, and, <laughs> and I had a, a digital recorder like laying on my chest and right. no, notes surrounding me, because I didn't have any editing equipment, so right. if I'd messed it up, I had to just start over start again over. And, and, and do it, and so there is a lot yeah, of, one shot, Dave. there are like some <laughs> popping noises and uh-huh. rustling papers, it's not a professional recording by any stretch, mm-hmm. but by God's grace, I every city I go to around the world, men have said, hey, I've, I've gotten these lessons and they've changed my life. So yeah, yeah. it's a testimony to God's power and weakness. Yeah, yeah. Now, what, what would you say to um, people who have not been exposed to your resources yet? Uh, well, before this, um, as you've done it, is this an international thing or do you hear about this from all over the world or is this specific to America where, where most of your work happens? Like, Right. No, we've been... Um, in Ukraine, we've been in uh, Croatia. We did European mission, European Singles Conference uh, in Croatia. We've been in uh, Latin America. We've been in Asia. Mm-hmm. We've been in the islands. It is it is universal. Is it now? Some cultures, um, in Asian cultures, some have been um, uh, there's so much shame in, involved that right. uh, people don't talk about it as much, and so uh, some ministers have been shocked. They didn't think they had anybody struggling. And we came in and spoke openly, and next thing you know, a lot of people came out of the woodwork. Yeah. And so um, it is a universal universal issue, yeah. and uh, there may be some, some variances in cultures, how it's perceived, mm-hmm. but it is, it's pretty much universal. Yeah. Well, there, there are two things that you've mentioned that I wanted to ask about. One was the power of a group. Um, like, what role, how important is that uh, in helping people to uh, really overcome and live a pure life. Right. I see groups, um, I guess understanding what was driving my my behaviors. Um, A big breakthrough came for me with the book called False Intimacy by Harry Schomburg. And he talked about how that what we're doing when we're acting out sexually is usually we're um, seeking uh, connection. We're seeking affirmation. And in my counseling, I realized that um, one of the things that contributed to my addiction was that my father was just not a uh, great guy, but not very affirming, not very affectionate. Didn't tell me he loved me until I was 16 years old. And so there's, there was just, um, you know, it was a stable, solid, great man, but he did not grow up in an affirming environment either. And so um, I, I began to see how that 
at some point, it's not about the pictures anymore because you've seen all the pictures. At some point, you're saying, well, what else? Why am I going back and repeating right. the yeah, same yeah. behavior over and over? Yeah. What's going on here? And with some counseling, I was, it was identified that really I had a, a, a huge affirmation deficit. I was, I was longing for someone to acknowledge me, recognize me. Right. And uh, God's plan is for that to happen through relationships. But when those connections, those relationships are not there, yeah. people will seek what Schomburg calls false intimacy. Uh-huh. Uh, and in the human brain, in our society, uh, someone taking their clothes off for you is considered a, a very intimate act. And, right. and they wouldn't do that if they didn't think you were somebody really special. And so your brain translates nudity into intimacy. I mean, wow. even in the department store, the intimate section, that's the underwear section. So, right. yeah. um, so uh, even though it was false, these people didn't know about me, didn't care anything about me. The fact that they were taking their clothes off for me, uh, even in a fantasy world, yeah. um, for a moment gave me the high of connection, mm-hmm. the high of, of the, this, there's, a, there's something going on here, uh, intimate. Right. And, uh, and so in my recovery, I've had to learn to develop true intimacy. Yeah, yeah. People that really do care. Right. People that really are interested in me and really yep. do, would, would really uh, fight for me, and in, in doing that, it gives me the power to overcome the fake. It's like, why would I want fake yeah. if I can have real? You know? yeah, yeah. Why would I want a McDonald's hamburger if I can have a rack of ribs? I mean, it's yeah, like it's, yeah. it's like it, at some point. Um, so relational training is huge, and that's one of the biggest issues in our culture now. Is people do not have relationships. It's oh, one of the loneliest, loneliest um, societies. Even though there's an internet connection, uh, one survey just recently found out that people uh, were surveyed in the 50s. How many close friends do you have that would you could tell anything to? Yeah. The average answer back then was four. The most common answer today is zero. Wow. People are more isolated, and they have technology, yeah. games, TV, all kinds of entertainment. Yeah. They don't have true connections. Yeah. And so then without those, people turn to false intimacy. Uh, and, and for a, a moment, it's gratifying, but then you're just as lonely and even more isolated uh, later on yeah. than you were before. Yeah. And so our culture has contributed a lot. And so the group, um, since sexual addicts, um, core beliefs... Um, are that you're not a worthwhile person, that if anybody really knew me, they wouldn't love me. Right. We can address those in groups. Yeah. Because in groups, we treat each other with respect. Yep. We affirm each other. Uh, we don't run away, even when people tell things that are very yeah. uh, severe sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so we create uh, true intimacy, which then is, is, a, is, is an ability then to find the comfort um, find the comfort that God intended yeah. through relationships. So yeah. groups are, are huge, are huge. And I call them like uh, relational relationship boot camps. Where, uh, <laughs> and, and especially because with guys, we're not taught to talk about emotions. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. so a group's a lot about learning to identify and talk about emotions. Um, yeah. We suffer from what's called alexithymia. What is that? It's the inability to express emotions. Uh, the word lexi is like the word for words. Yeah. Thumos is the Greek yeah. word or Latin word for emotion. Yep. So alexithymia is the inability uh, yeah, yeah. to put our emotions into words. And um, we're told to be a man 
and that means don't talk about your emotions. Yeah. And so in our groups, we try to overcome alexithymia and uh, get people to be able to talk freely about their emotions yeah. and learn to express and surrender emotional pain. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a great segue. It leads into the second thing I wanted to talk about, which was shame. Like the role of that shame plays in keeping us in that false intimacy cycle. And so talk, talk a little bit about the role of shame. All right. This is one of the biggest errors uh, Christians have made, church leaders have made, um, uh, people making disciples have, have made, and that is that if people feel ashamed enough about their behavior, they'll stop it. Right. That's a, a common technique that was used on me. You know, Dave, you're not you're not a worm, you're a worm dirt. I mean, that was actually said to me at one point. Um, and and the thinking is, and parents use it with kids, you know, a lot of times uh-huh. that if you create enough shame, then of course you'll avoid the behavior to avoid the shame. Right. And so, uh, well, being well-intentioned, uh, it's not effective. Yeah, yeah. Because shame is, in essence, an emotional pain. <laughs> and when you create emotional pain, then we long to be comforted from our pain. When we're hurting, you go to a drugstore, there's a whole aisle of painkillers. I mean, people don't want to live in pain, so we want to medicate our pain. And so by increasing shame, uh, actually what happens is people either medicate it or then they also may isolate because of fear of more shame. Yeah. These don't talk about it. They just stop talking about what's going on. Kids don't talk to parents if they're shamed. Um, We even found in our survey that a large number of our students weren't talking about it. Yeah. Weren't talking about it. And so Absolutely. so shame is very ineffective, mm-hmm. although the actions are shameful in so many ways. Right. Uh, to shame the person is not effective, and to separate the actions from the person are, are very important. Yeah. And uh, it's a major breakthrough that hopefully we're making some progress in teaching this. Yeah. But... Um, in Robbins and I's newest book called Grace Calls, uh, there's actually some charts in there about the cycle of abandonment and shame uh-huh. and really how that we need to have drains in our soul uh-huh. to drain shame, to drain feelings of abandonment. Yeah. Otherwise, this, this well of despair keeps rising and rising and rising until uh-huh. people are, are drowning and eventually will act out to um, alleviate the pain yeah. of the despair they're feeling. Yeah. And then, of course, they're ashamed of that. And so it, it's just a cycle of, of shame and abandonment that, yeah. that really causes people to be stuck many times. Man, that's incredible. Well, I appreciate you speak um, to both people that are going through it and, and what they feel, hmm. and, as well as to people that are helping them. Sure. So, like, maybe uh, even more directly, like, Let's say someone listens to this and they are experiencing these things. Mm-hmm. They're living in shame, hiding. What would you say to that person? Um, pray that God will guide you to uh, the right people, uh-huh. the right resources. They may be in your church. They may not be in your church. I had to go outside the church. Yeah. Uh, it was a group of, of, of people with uh, godly convictions, uh, a background, but they were from a variety of churches. Yeah, yeah. But uh, to find a place, because when I got in the group um, and the guys shared their stories, I'll never forget. I felt like I just come home. Like, wow, these guys really get it. Yeah. They, they, they understand. I heard their stories like, wow, they have done all the things I've done and, and, and more. Yep. And like, they're not going to be condemning. They're, yeah. This is a safe place. Yeah. These guys, because I'd have people, I'd say, oh, I'm struggling. They say, well, okay, I'll give you a call next week. And I'm like, 
next week. What about in 20 minutes? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't need help next week. I need help now. <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't get it. They didn't understand how intense the battle can be. And so in finding a group of people that understood uh, that got it, so to speak, yeah. uh, that was where I'd start. And if that means going to an SA group, it means going uh, to a freedom group or a celebrate recovery group or yeah. whatever, uh, ask God to guide you. And then when you get there, find out if if the group is having success, if no one there is having success, then it's just a confession group. It's not a recovery group. It needs to be a true recovery group where people are actually making progress. Yeah, yeah. And also, then you may find, too, that um, some people, some groups tend to be directed at a certain type of behavior. Right. And if that's not the behavior you're dealing with, uh, probably need to find one that's, that's more centered on things that relate to what your struggle is. Yeah, yeah. But finding that group, finding a mentor uh, within that group or somewhere else that, again, has something at least related. Mm -hmm. They may not have your exact struggle, but if they've never been through um, any kind of addictive battle, they're probably going to really struggle to connect with you, and it's going to be difficult to get the help you need. Yeah. I think the other other cool thing is that there's hope. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not hopeless. Right. I think for a lot of people, this can feel hopeless. Uh, but I love that you you actually are offering hope. Um, okay, well, the second thing is uh, to people who are helping people uh, that are dealing with sexual purity challenges, but they don't necessarily struggle with it, what would mm-hmm. you say to that person? Well, uh, to both those people... Don't shame them, first uh, of all. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> For both those people... Uh, I would say come to the Pure and Simple Conference. Really? Uh, the Pure and Simple Conference. Would, to the people who don't struggle, you would say come to this. If they're trying to help somebody else. Really? Pure and Simple Conference is a very unique in that we decided early on it would be men and women. Uh-huh. It would be people uh, in the same-sex attraction or heterosexual attraction. Uh-huh. It would be husbands and wives. Um, it would be everybody under the same tent. Yeah. And um, it's an amazing, we thought it could be, it could go very bad. This could, this could, get, this could get real ugly. Uh, this tent could blow up. Uh, but, but we have a couple of rules. We say that it's an anonymous conference. You don't, you know, what happens this year is going to be in Boston. What happens in Boston stays in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and that nobody asks anybody why you're here. Right. It's not like jail where you say, hey, what are you in for? Right. You, know, you, know, you don't, everybody's there for a reason. Yeah. And one of the reasons is sometimes to help others from a, yeah. a ministry standpoint or a personal standpoint yeah. because almost every family uh, no matter how pro- high profile they are sure. in church circles yeah. I have family members from very very well known yeah. names uh, in the Christian world yeah. coming to me and they've got a brother yeah. they've got a son yeah. or maybe it's themselves personally sure. it doesn't you don't have to go very far in your family Absolutely. to find people struggling with these type of issues and so uh, the conference people come every year, uh, sometimes from Hawaii, from a great amount of money uh-huh. because the atmosphere is so safe yeah. and people get it there and it's like, uh, it's a beautiful thing. So come and expo- be exposed to people who get it and see a vision of people who are being successful. Yeah. I mean, it helped me so much to meet people who were actually had years of success. Yeah. Because uh, it was kind of like, to me, like running a four-minute mile. I, I hadn't, I, I didn't think it was possible. Right. I had never met anybody that had done it. Yeah. And then once we knew it was possible, yep. now we've seen many, many people start to, to start to have success in this. Yeah. But 
after, for me, nearly 30 years of trying and failing, you start to wonder. Yeah. You start to, it starts to chip away at your faith. Like, yep. All things are possible through Christ. Well, all things really. Right. Maybe this was maybe, should there be an asterisk there oh, by that yeah, verse? Yeah, like that yeah. all things except uh, overcoming pornography, masturbation, yeah, things of that yeah. sort. Yeah. No, all things are possible. That's right. But it's very important to meet people who are actually having those successes uh-huh. to learn from them and be inspired. That's, I got to tell you, that's super, I, I would not have thought that that was what you were going to say. <laughs> kind of shocked me with that one. All right, good, good. I I like that. that. Um, Okay, then you you mentioned the Grace Calls book. Is that your most recent? Grace Calls is our most recent book, uh, Spiritual Recovery After Abandonment, Addiction, or Abuse. Wow. And so it's a deep dive. um, (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, uh, many people have suffered all three, abandonment, addiction, and abuse. Um, And it, um, it, it actually won... Uh, a very prestigious award, the Illumination Book Awards. It's an international book award. It was given the Recovery Self-Help Book of the Year, uh, the, the gold medal really? in Recovery Self-Help Books 2017 um, was awarded to Grace Calls. And um, it's been acknowledged by uh, major Christian authors. Uh, our, our newest edition has a testimonial from Josh McDowell really? on the back cover, uh, a very well-known yeah. uh, Christian speaker has read the book and endorsed it. And so um, uh, it's getting some traction, um, uh, you know, in many circles. And um, it's, it's, we use it uh, for individuals, but also it's done in groups. Uh-huh. And we use it a lot in couples we counsel to go through it yeah. as couples together. And uh, at some point, Robin realized that, um, that my voice was needed. Uh-huh. And so every, every chapter um, she writes... And then I would write a response, like a three-page response. Uh-huh. And so it has uh, a, a perspective uh, from both husbands and wives, male and female perspective right. yeah, yeah. throughout the book. And some people actually like my three-pagers uh, better than her long, her, her 17 <laughs> pages because uh, they, 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 don't, they don't read real well. Uh, the three pages is not so intimidating. Uh, but it's shorter, huh? Yeah, but shorter. But it, I had to go to my parents before the book came out and say, hey, mom and dad, um, some of our... Some stuff in here you may not want to know about me. Yeah. Some stuff that's pretty rough, you yeah. know, and um, and it's it's very vulnerable. Uh-huh. Uh, it tells our story. Yeah, yeah. But it is connecting with people. That's great. That's great. Okay. Um, man, what else? Uh, and you said this the uh, conference this year is in Boston. What are the dates for it? In November 9th through 11th. 9th through 11th. Okay. And how would people get in contact with you guys? What are, um, what are your... Well... Uh, the conference will be up on Disciples Today as under in the event section, and okay. a link to our website is called pureandsimpleministry.org. It's all written out, pure, A-N-D, okay. and simpleministry.org. And there's a ton of lessons on my resources. Almost all the previous nine conferences, uh, not all the lessons, but a, a great majority of the lessons from the, all those nine conferences are online. You can, okay. and they get listened to regularly. So yeah, there's yeah. a ton of free material online people can uh, reference from the conferences about how to start a group, uh, uh-huh. women's issues, yeah. uh, brain science, emotional recovery. Yeah, a yeah. lot of topics um, are, are covered, and so that's a free resource available to everybody. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, okay. And uh, the last thing is, is, um, is there anything else that you wanted to share about or talk about? Well, let's talk about the, our ministry as it exists now, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, basically... We are. Our vision is. Um, it's, it's not just 
the purity part. We do the spiritual recovery. It kind of expanded, and we've seen the need for people to understand uh, spiritual growth in, in a new kind of way. And uh-huh. some, some things in Grace Calls that are very refreshing to people is that spiritual growth is a spiral. It's three-dimensional. It's not two-dimensional. Uh, we've heard expressions like... Ooh, re- it's a three-dimensional spiral. Right. Like, so, on this trip. so instead of being like a... Um, like a stock market graph where you go up and down. And like we've heard expressions okay. like you're either growing or you're dying. You're going okay. forward or you're going backwards. Right, that's right, that's yeah. very that's very two dimensional. Yeah. And um uh, but unfortunately um that's led to a lot of shame because um it, I don't know if you ever played the game Shoots and Ladders before. Oh, yeah. uh, actually, in, in, the, in the Caribbean, they call it Snakes and Ladders, which I thought was kind of fascinating. But, um, but you know, you, you, you're going along, and all of a sudden, boom, you hit the, the big old slide, and you're right, yeah, right yeah. back to where you started, yeah. and it's, like, so frustrating. And, and you can feel a lot of shame, like, gosh, I've been a Christian, like, 10 years, and I shouldn't be struggling with this, or right. I should be over that. Yeah. We keep thinking we should be over things, and uh-huh. we love hearing testimonies about people who had this victory, and they never struggled again. Right, yeah. um, the reality is, in the, in the biblical uh, teaching, is that uh, things come back around. Things <laughs> come back around. That's where the spiral comes back around. But it's, not, it's an expanding, ascending spiral. Yeah. So when things come back around... You're not surprised. You're not dropping back to this level of maturity, no. and that's why. Right, yeah. You expect it. Th- those, those things you struggle with before. I mean, look at Galatians 5, all these sexual, all these sins, sexual and otherwise. This is written to Christians, yeah. not oh, to yeah. non-Christians. Yeah. These are believers. These are disciples of Christ Absolutely. that are struggling with immorality and uh-huh. impurity yeah, and yeah. drunkenness and envy and all these things. It's like, wait a second. Shouldn't they have repented of all that stuff when they became Christians? Well, no doubt they did, yeah. but the nature of human beings is that things come back around. Uh-huh. But if we're growing spiritually when they come back around and we're not surprised, oh, there you are. I knew you'd be back. Great thought. And like, but you know what? I'm in a different place now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see things differently. Oh, that lie you told me last time and I believed? Right, right. I'm not going to buy it this time right. because I, I understand now why that doesn't work. Right. Uh, and so thanks for stopping by. Uh, for you know, by. but I don't That's need I don't I don't line. I don't need you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also true emotionally. Uh, we had an experience where Robin lost her sister uh, in a tragic car accident, uh, and it was one of those traumatic times in our life. And one day we were um, uh, driving in Idaho, and and she said, "I feel this incredible. I just feel like crying. I feel like weeping. I feel like something's going on. I just I, I can't this heaviness on my heart." Yeah. We went home and, and looked it up, and it was 28 years ago to the day that her sister was killed in a car accident. Are you serious? It, you know, the, the, that, that trauma, those traumas get embedded in our, in our souls, in our psyche. And so if you've lost a loved one, like in the spring of the year, yeah. you know, yeah. you may someday feel like, man, this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm hurting today. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the spiral of emotions comes back around. Is this and, all in the book Grace Calls? Yeah, it is. And so it's like, it's like you need to be prepared for that. Where spiritually, sometimes we get, Satan can use this against us, saying, oh, you should have been over that. You know, you, you should have not be struggling with that. You should be way beyond that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, things come back around, and certainly my sexual temptation hasn't just gone away. Right. You talk to Guy Hammond, yep. he talks about his, his struggles just yeah. don't disappear. Yeah. But when you're prepared for it, yep. 
hopefully when it comes around the next time, you're better prepared. Yeah. It doesn't suck you in as much. It doesn't slow you down. Like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, but no thanks. Um, been there, done that. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm okay. I'm yeah. I'm fine. That doesn't work. And hopefully with each time you go around the spiral, uh, you find a little bit more resilience, a little more input, or a little more um, you know, truth you have now yeah. that allows it not to, to, to have the impact. It doesn't surprise you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. And so um, we want to, we'd like to teach on that topic. Uh, so we don't just teach on purity. We talk about spiritual recovery, finding what's been lost. Recovery is just finding what's been lost. And so many times uh, we lose things. Um, and we in the, in the Bible times, the church in Ephesus, they'd lost their first love. Yeah. Church in Thyatira had lost their conviction about sexual sin. Church in Laodicea had lost their fire. Yeah. We lose things spiritually. Yeah. And so uh, some of our seminars aren't necessarily about purity um, they're about finding what we've lost right. and how to grow spiritually and how uh, grace can be the power. God's affirming presence uh-huh. is the most powerful force in the universe, we yeah, believe. Yeah. And teach people how to have conversations where we use the voice of grace yep. to inspire one another, to, to implant God's affirming, affirming presence, God's empowering presence in each other's lives. And so those have been very refreshing to do those kind of seminars in churches um, where we've gotten into a kind of a fixing mentality. We want to fix each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of being the fixer, we become the voice of grace uh-huh. and bring God's empowering presence. And it, it's just watching churches practices. We have exercises, and it's just like so um, powerful to see that happen. Really? Do you have, is it a, a group study? Is there a group study that goes with it with questions or anything like that? There are. Um, there are questions in each chapter. However, we are developing a study guide um, because that book is being used in lots of uh, book groups right now. Yeah. So we have an expanded study guide in the process, not yet done. Uh-huh. So back to the, the vision of where we want to go, we want to develop more tools, more yeah. resources. Uh-huh. We see the need. We've been in 40 churches in the last 18 months uh, in several continents. Right. Uh, we feel like we have a good pulse on where people are at in spiritual growth as well as in, in purity issues. And we're trying to find the time and resources we can stay home a little bit more to develop uh, study guides, to develop yeah, yeah. Uh, a new audio series, to develop more devotional type books right. and tools. We feel like uh, the need right now is to develop more tools, uh-huh. how to build groups yeah. and um, how to address, how congregations can even have a plan, a congregational plan. Because yeah. these issues start young uh-huh. and they continue they get really strong in the teen years, college years, yeah, yeah. but then those the impact of those issues carries into marriages, and oh, so absolutely. the purity issue really is a, a a a children through adults even to I've had 80 year old men come for help. Sure, it's a lifelong issue, yeah. and we need resources and tools to help at the various specific stages along the way. Yeah, and that's really our dream and goal is to continue doing the seminars, but helping churches create a congregational plan that covers every aspect uh-huh. and also then, of course, to create the resources where this is reproducible because yeah. we can't go all the places. So we're developing a team of a team of competent um, uh, workers that can uh, work and be the leaders in their local church or in their local uh, region. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's, the, that's the dream. And, and to help churches understand that this doesn't have to be... Um, um, an internal program. This can be a, a tool to reach out mm-hmm. because their fellow parents would like to have answers for their kids and, yeah, and, well, and other marriages are struggling and yeah. the impact 
Uh, even Time Magazine had a cover story about this issue. Oh, yeah. And the state of Florida just declared pornography a public nuisance because of the relational damage of this. The world is starting to wake up. Yes. And if we're the ones that have the answers, because the answer is... For Ephesians 1 is live a life of love yeah. is the answer to not even a hint. Mm-hmm. And people, sometimes Ephesians 5, they drop down to the not ever hint and they skip verse 1 where it says the answer is to live a life of love. That's a great thought. And Jesus said, they'll know your disciples by the love you have for each other. That's right. So if we are the people who know how to do this, yeah. what a testimony, what a, a way to oh, reach out yeah. and impact our, our communities. But we have to kind of get beyond the, 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 the shame and get beyond the yes. fear and uh, I found that in talking to people on airplanes or whatever, although it may be a little awkward just to bring up the fact that I'm a recovering sexual addict, man, the conversations I have, pe- people open up, people start confessing stuff. <laughs> you think I was a like a priest, you know? <laughs> and and it, it, but if I had told them all my accolades of all my accomplishments, they probably wouldn't give right, a, yeah. a, a, a care anything about that. Yeah, yeah. But when you start sharing your weakness right. and surrendering, you know, your weakness, people are attracted to that, yeah. and they open up. And I, we think it could be a, a great way to have impact in our communities and see our churches um, really meet a need in our culture and grow yeah. uh, through learning how to uh, be wounded healers. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great thought. My my last question was actually, before the prayer one, was actually going to be, what would you say if perchance there were a church leader who did not think that his church had any of this going on, what would you say to that person? Um, a survey is a good idea uh-huh. if it could be done well. A survey has to be done anonymously. It has to be done in a safe environment yeah, so yeah. people aren't convinced that they're going to use that information against them. Yeah. Uh, maybe even have an outside person come in and do a survey and, and, and assure the confidentiality. Oh, that's a great thought. Uh, that, that would probably expose a lot of things um, to do it that way. Uh-huh. But that would be helpful. Or even have some come in and, um, and share a testimony, a vulnerable testimony, yeah. and kind of open up the floodgates a little bit and realize if it's safe to do that. Yeah. After we share vulnerably, sometimes people stand in line for hours to talk to Robin, and they tell her things they've never told anybody else. Wow. So c- creating a safe atmosphere and that was where people feel like they can talk without fear of condemnation or fear yeah, of yeah. being estranged. Um, that uh, can open up the doors. So I'd say surveys one way. Having somebody in to share vulnerably uh, can open up a lot of doors as well. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, last thing, one of the goals of the podcast is to increase the prayers of many. Mm-hmm. Uh, what specifically can we be praying for for you guys? Um, right now... Uh, we are be going. We'll be going to Africa uh-huh. in August, uh, doing our uh, conferences in Cape Town and Johannesburg, but also in Lagos, uh, Nigeria, where they have 400 teens. Uh, they've asked us to come and and help the teens and teen parents and 100 college students. Uh, and in Africa, it's it's a dangerous place right now. There were just 200 Christians killed in Africa uh, last week, and um, so it's it's kind of a hostile environment to be coming into. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Robin's had some serious health issues on the road. Uh-huh. And so health and safety yeah. and impact uh-huh. as we go into Africa would Absolutely. be much obliged. And of course, prayers for wisdom on how we proceed, how much time to spend on the road versus how much time to spend developing new resources. Yeah. We really want to stay home and, and do more resource building 
We need some patrons uh, to, to help us do that yeah, so absolutely. we can uh, develop these tools because uh, we feel like uh, the need is now. It is a time where um, we're losing people. It yeah. is probably one of the greatest uh, reasons people fall away is because yes. of this sin. And, and one of the greatest reasons people are ineffective in their faith yep. is because they're living a double life. It's the truth. And so we want to develop more resources. But we need a lot of wisdom and guidance. Um, but we, uh, we, we beg for prayers for wisdom and, uh, and just for the safety as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, if somebody did want to donate, could they do that on the website? Um, they could reach us. We are registered with a group called Joy to the World, uh-huh. Joy to the World Foundation, uh-huh. and Purity Restored Ministries is, a, is on. Uh, you know, we're able to accept tax-deductible donations through the Joy to the World oh, okay. um, uh, Foundation. We are, yeah, yeah. we are an approved project of the Joy to the World Foundation. So okay. uh, uh, that, is, that is, is, is available, but they can reach us uh, through their website, uh, there's a way to contact us through pureandsimpleministry.org. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even uh, at, at, you can just contact Pure in Heart, Pure in Heart at Comcast.net. Uh, they okay. can reach us that way as well. Absolutely. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And, and like I said, you know, such a time as this, what you guys are doing is invaluable and saving souls and helping families and changing destinies. And just so thankful for your life, your example, and, and for the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing, uh, sharing about that great work. It's been a privilege. Thank you so much. All right, man. Well, there you have it. Dave Widener, thank you so much for joining us and the great interview and uh, resources. Uh, really, really thankful. And um, please check them out. I put the... Uh, the ministry, pure and simple, in the show notes. So please check them out there and uh, support their ministry, great things that they're doing. Thank you once again to everyone who supported the podcast through the fundraiser and the GoFundMe. I really appreciate everyone who has who has contributed. And if you still have opportunity to do so, please, uh, everybody chip in a little bit and uh, we keep going. But super excited to have another year. Please send in any ideas that you have uh, of... Um, you know, content, people that we can interview, always looking for things that are outside of our scope of sight. And so please don't hesitate to do that. Uh, what else? Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Man, drawing a blank. Anyway, oh, I'll be at the ACR conference next week. Please stop by the booth and say hello if you are a listener. Um, I would love to see you. And that's all I've got for now. I can't think of anything. Going to close out with another J. Brian Craig song. And so be sure to check out his music. Really, really great stuff. And that's all I've got. So thanks so much for joining the podcast, for supporting, for listening. I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. Until next time, Godspeed, my friends.